when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Wash
tell me of a home far beyond the sky. They tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds arise. And oh, they tell me of an uncloud. Here we go. And oh, the land of cloudless days. And oh, the land of an uncloudy sky. And oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds arise. And oh, they tell me of an uncloudy day. Will the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by? There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky.
Well, good morning. Good to have you here today. We certainly thank you for your uh, fellowship in the gospel, and we're just trusting God to do a great and wonderful work. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is all broken. Oh, my goodness. Oh, black stuff all over my notes. Goodness gracious. Sorry, Pam. Where's Pam? Pam, you got a clean sweeper right here. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this thing. You won't see it on the black piano. All right, sorry. On a more serious note, um, I, I want to do have a few announcements to make. Uh, we are good. To, it's good to be back with you. Uh, we did spend a week down in Williamsburg and uh, had a great time, so we certainly thank you all for your prayers. Um, the lilies today that you see in front of us, um, we appreciate those of you who have donated these. And uh, please, after the Easter service next week, uh, you, we are welcome to take these home. Now, having uh, mentioned Easter, we do start next week at 9.30. 9.30 next week, so please remember that. No Sunday school, but 9.30, the Easter service starts next week. Boots and Blue Jeans Silent and Live Auction. Again, this is kind of the first time I'm seeing some of these things, but um, there's an insert in your bulletin about this uh, back at Camp Hebron. Uh, so if you need additional information, take a look at the bulletin insert. And the Bible, yeah, Bible, the baby bottle campaign is now underway. Uh, so pick up one of the bottles as you leave, fill it with all of your cash and coins, and uh, you return that, uh-oh, question. This is not time for questions. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so there's still a way to donate monies, even though we ran out of the bottles themselves. Um, so if you have cash uh, that you want to give, oh, the envelope's in the basket. Uh, okay, so don't not give because we don't have bottles. Um, you still bring in your shekels, and uh, we'll find a way to get it to uh, Lifeline Pregnancy uh, Care Center. So please keep that in mind. Now, take your hymn books and uh, turn with me to hymn, hymn number 134. 134. And I see some of you fanning yourselves. Um, the air conditioner will come on at 73 degrees, I assure you. Um, so um, just hang in there with all this body heat rising, um, especially after this medley. Um, we are certainly going to uh, cool you down uh, with some air, but that comes on about 73. So um, let's sing Hosanna loud, Hosanna. Hosanna loud, Hosanna, the little children sang through pillared court and temple. Lovely anthem rang to Jesus who has blessed and them, close folded to his breast. The 
sang praises the simplest and the best. From all of it they followed mid an exalted crowd. The victor palm branch baby chanting clear and loud. The Lord of song we sing for Christ is our reed <coughs> oh may we ever praise heart and life and voice and in his blissful presence eternally folks I want to mention this morning. Uh, keep Dorothea Lebo in your prayers. Um, I see she was in the hospital this past week due to the flu, but is now home. I know she's been having a lot recently, so uh, please pray for her. And then there's a new name on your sheet, Bob McGonnell. This is Lloyd Howard's uh, friend. Uh, please pray for him as uh, his health is deteriorating. So pray for healing, but also pray for his salvation, uh, probably more important than uh, the actual physical healing. And then a day before we left on vacation, um, I understand that um, Joanne uh, Enders had passed away. Uh, this was um, Darlene Scadden's sister-in-law, and I understand that she's also related to quite a number here in the church. And so we certainly pray for all of you, and pray for her husband, Clark, uh, as uh, he had lost his, um, his wife uh, just recently. So, Father, as we approach uh, your wonderful throne of grace, it's a great honor and great privilege to uh, be able to come before you. Uh, Father, we thank you so much that uh, you have allowed us to do so, uh, that you have said that uh, through your Son uh, we can come to you. For Jesus said that he is the way and the only way to come into the presence of the Father. And Father, we thank you that you have um, planned this, uh, this way for us to come to you. We thank you, Father, for your great love. We thank you, Father, that you have demonstrated that love in so many ways, especially at the cross. Father, it was there that the Bible says that Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world. Father, that shows great love. It was there on that cross that Jesus died. He was wounded and he bled. Father, that demonstrates great love. But Father, we know today that Jesus is alive. And because he lives, Lord, we will live also. And we're thankful for that. For Father, that demonstrates great love. You are an awesome and a great God, and we thank you for who you are and all the great things that you've done. Father, we do bring before you these folks who need our prayers. 
We certainly pray for comfort uh, for the Ender's family. Father, we lift before you also Dorothea and Lloyd's friend Bob, these, Lord, who need a healing touch. We think of the salvation of Bob and pray that, Lord, uh, you might bring someone into his life that might be able to share with him the good news of Jesus, that he might know uh, and have the great assurance that he's a child of the King. Father, we pray that you would continue to use this service. Thank you for the music already that we've been able to sing. Father, for the way that music directs us to you. Open our eyes and help us to see Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. And we pray these things in his name and in his name alone. Amen. Amen. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and he died for me. I see his wounds. His hands his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound, his body bound, and drenched in tears. They laid him down in
chapter 11, verse 7 says, When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Let's sing, oh, praise the name together. we're going to continue to look at the I am statements of Jesus. And we're going to tie it in a little bit to Palm Sunday and what that looks like. But one of the most amazing things about the I am statements of Jesus, in my mind, is the very beginning. It's absolutely miraculous whatever Jesus says after the first two words. But the first two words always stick out to me. I am. Not I was or I will be, even though we know that Jesus always has been and he always will be, but I am. I'm just what you need right now, no matter what you're going through. And we're going to sing a song for you. The words will be on the screen. You might know it, but that Jesus will still be there. (laughs) 
Plans change and plans fail, but you look for love on a grander scale. And storms arise and hopes fade, but you place your bets on another day. Just not sure enough, and Jesus will still be there. His love will never change, sure as a steady Jesus will still be there when no one else is true.
That's the question. That's the question. Was he a real person? What did he say? What did he do? What made him so special? What made him different than any other man in history? The records show. His birth was a miracle. His mom was a virgin and she was pregnant. He made the blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The paralyzed he healed terrible diseases. He knew what was in men's minds. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knows what is in men's hearts. He knew the story of people's lives without ever having met them. He spoke with authority. He amazed teachers. He amazed everyone. Nature obeyed him. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He walked on top of the water. He could change the weather. He fed 5,000 people one lunchbox. He brought people who were dead back to life. He loved sinners. He loved everyone. 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 He forgave sins. He never made a mistake. He never once sinned. But we judged him. We whipped and beat him. We spit on him. And we killed him. He loved us anyway. He loves us anyway. He died for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He paid for our sins with his life. Did I mention he loves us? He came back to life. He was dead. Then he was alive. A lot of people saw him. He is coming back. Who is Jesus? That's a big question. That's the big question. What does it even matter? What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Only your answer matters to you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? I hope that uh, through last week's message you were able, really able to reflect on the two questions that we finished with. And maybe you don't remember what those two questions were, or maybe you weren't here last week, so you're at a little bit of an unfair advantage. But the two questions that we finished were last week were, do you know Jesus? And if so, are you walking with him? Do you know Jesus? And if so... Are you walking with him? Now, walking with Jesus is Christianese, right? 
It's our own lingo that we say in the church. Um, I, I don't go and say that, you know, I'm walking with Sarah. You know, as we build a relationship together and grow closer together. But what that means is that we're growing in our relationship with Jesus. The hymn writer says, uh, and he walks with me and talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Do you know Jesus? And are you walking with him? Now, the first question might be easy. Maybe that's a quick answer for you. You're sitting here and, yes, I know Jesus. Come on. I, I gave my life to the Lord years and years ago. Are you walking with him? That one gets a little more tricky. Sometimes takes some self-evaluation in our own lives. And I pray that as we come through this Easter season, that you are really able to reflect on both of those questions. This is completely off of, of what I have here, but I don't know if any of you saw in the news today the two bombings in Egypt. Did, did you see that? Two churches that were bombed this morning on Palm Sunday. Um, I feel like we need to pray together for protection for God's people because there are people that are just trying to kill. They're just trying to kill. So if you'd pray with me really quick. Lord, we just want to come before you and we pray that you would protect your children from the enemy. Lord, we know that we are not guaranteed a life from suffering. As a matter of fact, Jesus says that we will have trouble. But Lord, we pray for protection today for all of those gathered in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I pray as we come through this Easter season that you're able to reflect on both of those questions. Do I know Jesus? And am I walking with him? And when you leave today, you'll know those by heart because I'm going to say them so many times this morning. Last week we looked at three different I am statements. Today we're going to look at three more. The one that we're not going to touch on is I am the good shepherd. If you don't know anything about shepherds, Go online and listen to Caleb Federhoff's message from two weeks ago. Man, it was, that was so eye-opening. Um, I had a chance to, to sit down with him with some members of the praise team and the Warners. They're not here this morning. And hear more about what he does over in Latusu. Last week I started with a statement. I'm going to start with it again this week. It's this, that when Jesus said, I am, he was equating himself with God the Father. And he was declaring, in fact, that he is God. Remember back with me, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to tell the Israelites, I am has sent you. So today we're going to look at three more. And let me also just clarify this very quickly, that each of the I am statements is its own sermon in and of itself. So there is so much that I'm not going to be able to touch on in each of these statements. So as you're looking through and say, I can't believe he didn't say this. I'm giving you that clarification this morning, just so you know. The first I am statement is this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you'd open your Bibles with me this morning to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about Jesus being the gate, how there is one way to heaven. What we did not talk about was what the sheepfold represented. 
We talked about how Jesus is the only way to heaven. We looked at the different statistics of what people believe. And it's kind of, it's not kind of, it is sad to see how far people have strayed away from the Word of God as far as what they believe. But the sheepfold represented the nation of Israel. And they were trapped by law. The only way for them to get into the fields of grace, according to McDonald, was through the gate of Jesus. He was the only way out of what they were stuck in. And the same thing goes for us. We are stuck in sin without Christ. There's no way out without Christ. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus does not say that he is a way or a truth or he is one of many who gives life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But again, as we looked at last week, that's not what many people believe anymore, is it? In 2011, same as last week, Barna Research Group said that 25% of people, 25% of Christians, believe that at some point, all people will be accepted by God. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus. And that's what he's saying here, that there is only one way. Do you believe it? Now, if I asked you to raise your hand this morning, I imagine and I hope that every hand in this sanctuary would go up. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Here's the next question. Are you living like it? Are you living like there is only one way to heaven? Now, what do I mean by that? I'm not referring to your salvation. We believe that once you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, you will always be saved. For nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And we'll look at that a little bit later on. But are you living like it? See, I don't believe that we always are. Do you have an urgency for lost people? Do you view people that way? This person knows Jesus, this person doesn't. Do you know what that means? In, in just plain and simple terms, this person's going to heaven, this person's going to hell. We don't talk about hell much. It's not a fun thing to talk about. It's not encouraging. It's very discouraging. It discourages me. I don't like talking about hell. But the reality is, there are people that are going to heaven and people that are going to hell. One or the other. There's no place in the middle. 
Are we living, are we living like there is only one way to go to heaven? When you go to the grocery store and you see people, do you, do you view them as lost souls in need of a Savior? Or are we, and I'm including myself, too busy to spend time and we need to get home? When the Lord gives you an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, the gospel of Jesus Christ, do you take it or, or do you get a little squeamish in your seat and you don't really want to say anything because that's, that's difficult to discuss? When you've built a relationship with someone at work, a good friendship, and, and the Lord opens the door, and maybe they say, well, what do you believe about eternal Well, I, I believe in Jesus, but you know, we don't want to talk about that because, man, if, if they ask me about what I believe about homosexuality or what I believe about abortion, and then all of a sudden they could get upset at me, listen, this, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the gospel. Are you willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people who need it, the people that are dying and going to hell? There are people in Halifax. Statistics show there's even people in our service this morning that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's why I ask two questions. Do you know Jesus? And are you in a relationship? Are you walking with him? Maybe you've heard before of someone by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon. Here's what he says. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That doesn't make you kind of wiggle in your pew. I, I don't know what would. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Charles Spurgeon was known for being blunt. <laughs> this is pretty blunt. You know, he, he doesn't say every Christian is either an evangelist or an imposter. A missionary. The Lord gives you relationships in your life people that you are able to take advantage of, people that you are able to pray for, people that you are able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. Don't miss out on those opportunities. Don't miss out on those opportunities. How easy is it to do that? And we've all done it. One of the places that I, I always find myself feeling very convicted of sharing the gospel with someone is on a plane. Maybe some of you fly a lot on a plane. I'll sit down, and the person next to me sits down and buckles their seat. Like, well, they have two and a half hours to listen to me. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, you know, I just feel so convicted about sharing the gospel with them at that point. I'm not going to force the gospel on them. That's not my job. My job is to tell them. It's their job to believe. I'm not responsible for their soul, but it is my job to tell them. We're going to look at three Charles Spurgeon quotes today, so hold on to your hats. The next quote is this. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. What's he saying? He's saying, let not one person go to hell without us giving it all that we have to tell them about Jesus. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person 
is powerful and effective. And I would say this this morning, if you're not praying for that lost person that the Lord has put on your heart, you're not doing all that you can. You're not doing all that you can. Maybe you can think of someone in your mind right now. Someone that is lost and in need of Jesus. And if you can't think of someone that you know that's lost and in need of Jesus, you need to get out a little more. Because we are to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not to stay in our comfortable little circle. Maybe you can think of someone right now. And I encourage you this week to spend time praying for that person. But be ready. Because when you pray, I truly believe God is going to give you an opportunity to tell them about the way, the truth, and the life. To tell them about the great I am. Charles Spurgeon says, one more thing that I'm going to mention this morning. I would sooner bring one sinner to Jesus Christ than unravel all the mysteries of the divine word. For salvation is the one thing we are to live for. I would sooner bring one sinner to Jesus Christ than unravel all the mysteries of the divine word. For salvation is the one thing we are to live for. Let me encourage you to not be afraid to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't worry if people ask you questions about controversial issues because you speak truth in response to them, whether they like it or not. Our job is to speak truth even on controversial issues. But salvation is the one thing we are to live for. I found one more thing as I was really reading through this, and there's so much more. But do we always know where we're going in life? I would say that, that we don't. Um, there are times when we have to make very tough decisions, and we're not exactly sure how to do them. Sarah and I were at uh, the doctor's on Friday, and uh, she was getting her glucose test. Um, which I, I'm learning a lot of stuff, right? So she's getting her glucose test, and I'm just kind of trailing behind, right, in all of these things. And uh, just, yes, dear, you know, what can I, can I get you orange juice? You know, <laughs> um, but anyways, we're at the doctor, and they're getting blood work done, and they're done, and we're in this medical facility that has all of these different things connected to it. So there's the OB doctor over here, and the blood work over here, and the family practice over here, you know, one of those places. And she gets her blood work done, and we look outside, and we said, we don't want to walk. It was snowing. It was snowing, right? Right? If you're praying for snow, <laughs> get out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Do not get out. We, we are happy to have you here this morning. But please stop praying for snow. You must be a really righteous person, right? Righteous and powerful. But um, we, we were, uh, we said, we're not going to go out. And it's windy and snowy. So we, we, Sarah asked the receptionist if she could help us to navigate away to the, uh, where her doctor was that was going to check the baby. So the receptionist says, absolutely. She gets out of her chair and comes out and begins to lead us. And Sarah says, oh, you don't need to lead us. Just tell us where to go. And again, I'm just following behind. <laughs> and so we start to go down these tunnels, what it felt like. It's like path, and we turn this way, and this was a door, who knows. And, and we're going over here and over there. And we get to the end, and she says, okay, two more turns. Make a right here, go down the hall, and make another right. First right. So we say, okay, thank you so much. And Sarah's leading the way, and I'm following behind. We make the first right, we're walking down the hall, and I say, Sarah, turn left. And she turns left. And I said, no, no, I'm just kidding. 
come back here. <laughs> it's important that we stop pretending like we can get through this world on our own. Jesus is our way. He is the way. There was a story of a man. He hired a guy to get him through a desert. And, and he, through all the different things he had to go, he hires this guy. They get all packed and ready to go. And they get to the top of this one hill. And they look out. And the, the man looks and that's what he sees. <laughs> no roads, no paths, no trails. No town up in the far distance that he could be walking to. And he looks at the guide and he says, where's the road? And the guide says, I am the road. And isn't that true of Jesus in our life? That he is our way. He is our way. Through the unfamiliar territory of life, Jesus is our way. And I, I, you know, I, we, we need him. And, and maybe you're in a place right now where you're making some tough decisions about your life. I know I've talked to some of you before about the different place the Lord has put you as far as a job, if there's a different job in the future, or, or as far as where you're living now, and if the Lord's going to move you somewhere else in the future. Those are tough decisions to make. How do we make a decision like that? Well, we take them all to Jesus, and we let him guide our path. You know, that's one of Sarah's and mine's constant prayer, that the Lord would guide our path wherever he may take us. That he is our way. That he is our way. We're not going anywhere. That wasn't me saying. <laughs> the next I am statement is I am the light of the world. John 11. If you, I'm sorry, John 8. Would you turn to me to John 8, please? John chapter 8, verse 12. Now today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And Jesus came into Jerusalem... And as we read uh, the scripture from Mark uh, during the um, I'll Praise the Name song, people were celebrating. They were excited. Jesus was here. A light doesn't go unnoticed, especially in a dark place. Jesus says in John 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let me read that again. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now here Jesus is saying that he is the light, and obviously sin, the world, is the darkness. But what he's not saying here, that is if you live a good life, you're never going to walk in darkness. He's not saying here that salvation is through our efforts or through our actions. As he has said in other places, he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. He is the gate into heaven, the only way to heaven. 
But what he's saying here is whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Following me speaks beyond the way that we act into a relationship with Jesus, into repenting of our sins, into declaring him as Lord and following him. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's not speaking of us living a sinful life because we know we can't do that. Amen? We know we can't do that. Any of us. Whether you're 16 or in your 90s, we cannot live a sinful life. Another thing that light does is light makes clear what darkness tries to hide. Light makes clear what darkness tries to hide. Have you ever walked into a room before, in the dark, right? And you walk in and you just walk through because you know exactly where you're going. No, usually you flip on a light. We have a dog, right, Pause, and he likes to take all his toys and throw them all over the house. All over the house. So sometimes I'll get up and I'll kick something. I'll think it's his ball and it's his bone, right? And I'm barefoot and I, oh, ow, because I couldn't see what it was. I needed the light to show me what that was. And in our own lives, we need the light to make clear what hides in the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. And I think Jesus shows us so many times in our lives things that Satan tries to hide. We try to make excuses for. Now Jesus says, um, speaks in John chapter 9 as well, the healing of the blind man. He also says that he is the light of the world. Um, for as long as he is here. And that's not the exact quote of Scripture, but that's the thought. Um, we're not going to look at that this morning, but Jesus is basically saying at this point that during his ministry on earth, he's the light of the world. Um, but this, John 8, has a little bit of a different feel to it. You know, as we look at all of these I Am statements, they all draw us back into that relationship with Jesus. It's all about relationship. It's such a beautiful thing. Because if it depended on my works and my actions and all the good things that I can do, I would be in a lot of trouble. Because what does the Bible say? Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The last I am statement we're going to look at is I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11, if you turn there with me, Verse 17 is where we're going to start. We're going to do 17. Here's what it says. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, you might be familiar with this passage. Lazarus had passed away. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into 
the world. Death cannot separate us from the love of Christ. There's a man by the name of Bengal, and this is what he says. It's beautifully consonant with divine propriety that no one is ever read of as having died while the prince of life was present. Did you follow where I was going with that? Let me read it again. It is beautifully consonant with divine propriety that no one is ever read of as having died while the prince of life was present. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Jesus, in response to Martha, basically tells her, Martha, (laughs) I've got this. I control life and I conquered death. That's what resurrection is, right? The conquering of death. You're able to come back to life from death. Martha, I control life, and I'm in control of all things. Don't be afraid. And I think how many times in my life that I worry about silly, stupid things that I should not worry about. When my God, when my Savior controls life, when he is the resurrection and the life. There was another man by the name of Burkett, and he said this, O love stronger than than death, grace cannot separate Christ and his friends. Other friends accompany us to the brink of the grave, and then they leave us. Neither life nor death can separate us from the love of Christ. What a powerful thing. O love stronger than death, grace cannot separate Christ and his friends. Other friends accompany us to the brink of the grave and then they leave us. Neither life nor death can separate us from the love of Christ. Jesus is in control of all things. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The true vine, the great shepherd, the light of the world, the bread of life the gate, the resurrection, and the life. Do you know Jesus? And are you walking with him? All of these I am statements point us back to a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's calling for you. He wants you. He doesn't just want you. He wants to get to know you. He wanted to get to know you so much that he was willing to die. And for me. If you remember back in John chapter 15, Jesus says, remain in me. It's all about relationships. Do you know Jesus? And are you walking with the great I am? Let's pray together. Lord, you are amazing. There is so much to each of these statements that Jesus makes, Father. So many things that you're trying to tell us. And while we couldn't look at all of them, Lord, I pray that what was said would just be clear in the hearts and the minds of all of us this morning.
We thank you that you are the only way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that you are the door. We ask that you help us to remain in you and to trust that you are in control of all things. We ask that you would continue to sustain us. That you would continue to hold us, Lord. That you would continue to work in our lives that we may not only keep this amazing news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to ourselves, but that we would tell others. That we would share it with others. Lord, may the Holy Spirit fill our words and our thoughts that when we are speaking about the gospel, it is not us speaking, but it's you. That they're your words. And we know and we believe that because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You got it?
like him face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is Jesus, we thank you. And Father, we thank you that we can face uncertain days because we know that the crucifixion story is not the end. We thank you for the resurrection and the life. We thank you for sending your son to die for us and to rise again according to the scriptures. Now, Lord, be with us this week as we go out to do your work. May everything we do be for the kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. My dreams get broken In you I hope again No matter what I know I'm safe inside your hand On the mountains I yeah. will bow my life To the one who set me there In the valley I will lift my eyes To the one who sees me there When I'm standing on the mountain I didn't get there on my own When I'm walking I'm